Hey, good morning. morning. How you doing? Let me just remind you, the tomb is still empty. It's not Easter, but Jesus is alive. Amen. Amen. I hope you feel that and live that out every day of every year. Well, uh, welcome. My name is Troy. I'm one of the pastors here. And again, glad that you joined us in person also online. Hey, before I jump into my message today, I I need to stop and celebrate some of the amazing things that have happened here the last few weeks. Uh, I mean, things happen so fast and there's always new things going on around our church happening. Uh, But I want to just take a pause and, 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 and just celebrate this. For example, a couple weeks ago on Palm Sunday weekend, we had baptism. We had over 20 people decide to get baptized, and it was inspiring. Wasn't that great? Praise the Lord for that, and uh, just a fun service. And then last weekend, uh, obviously, as Kyle and Hadley talked about, we had our Easter extravaganza. Crazy. We knew that Easter being on the first weekend of spring break, there might not be anybody in town. Just looks like it's only going to be us here, but uh, the faithful. But there were over 750 children that were registered and participated in that little egg hunt, man. That is crazy. And then on the weekend, uh, on Saturday and Sunday, we had our Easter services. We had over 650 people in attendance, which is the largest crowd that we've had since we opened up after COVID a year ago. And check this out. We had over 800 150 people watching online. I mean, literally two or 3,000 people were participating with Easter here at our church. And I, I just am amazed at what this little church can do. And I want to thank all of you that made that possible and support that. Let's give God a big hand for what he did last week. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, also last week we, we started a new series called That's What He Said. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, That's What He Said. That's what he said. Uh, basically, uh, in a nutshell, what we're doing is, is we're looking at the red words that are in your Bible. If, if there's a word in red, it's something that Jesus said. And, uh, and so we're looking at those words. And the reason that we're looking at those words is that I believe that there's a challenge for you and I and a problem. And that is, this, is that Jesus often said things that were surprising, that were almost shocking They were so strange and so otherworldly that if you and I aren't careful, we will dismiss what he said and we will completely miss the power that those words have for our lives. Um, Last week we read about how Jesus, what Jesus said about guilt. Um, We we saw that how how God is surprisingly uh, eager to forgive you and I for our offenses against him. I mean, in our minds, I think many of us imagine that God isn't so quick to forgive and forget the things that we've done, our sins and all of that. But Jesus' conversation with the thief that was on the cross next to him proves otherwise. Today, what I want to do is I want to kind of extend that and I want to flip it a little bit. And I want to look at what Jesus said about how we should be equally forgiving of those who have done us wrong. That we should be equally forgiving, uh, uh, especially to those people who have kind of done us wrong. And this is a little more diff- difficult, uh, uh, I think you would admit. How many would agree that it's so much, uh, that, that receiving forgiveness is a lot easier than giving forgiveness? How many would agree? Three of you, okay, well, I don't know, eight of you, all right, well, well. But it is, and it's hard, and, and yet, as hard as that process may seem to you and I, Jesus would say that forgiving others may be the best thing that we can do for ourselves. Forgiving others might be the healthiest and best thing that we can do for ourselves. Now, what I want to do is I want to start off this morning by jumping right into the middle of Jesus' most famous sermon. 
It's become known as the Sermon on the Mount. It was a long sermon that Jesus made to thousands of people that were gathered there listening to this. And in Matthew chapter 6, at this point in the message, Jesus is teaching those who are following him, his disciples, he's teaching them how to pray. He's given a little uh, a lesson on how to pray. And some of you might be new to church or maybe new to faith and maybe uh, praying is kind of uncomfortable for you. You don't feel comfortable doing it. You're not sure if you're doing it right. Well, um, it's interesting. Uh, Jesus in this little message gives some very specific uh, instructions for you and I to how to pray. And it's very helpful and I hope you get that. But here's the thing. At the end of his little teaching on prayer, uh, Jesus gives us a PS. He gives us a postscript on forgiveness. And how important it is for our lives. And so don't miss this. Here we go. In verse 9 of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this. This then is how you should pray. And he goes into it. Many of you are familiar. He starts off by saying, our Father. Everybody say, our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Not my kingdom, but your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And then what Jesus says next, uh, let me tell you, uh, before I read you what he said in real life, what he really said, let me tell you what he didn't say. Jesus didn't say, uh, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we hold grudges against those who have hurt us. He didn't say that. He didn't say, uh, I will forgive you, but you don't have to forgive her or him or them. No. Jesus didn't say those things. Instead, Jesus, what he said in verse 12 was this. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. In other words, there's an assumption that you and I will, of course, forgive those who have done us wrong. That's, that's tough. And that's hard. And, and, I, and, that, and, man, that's tough. And what he says, and then as if he realizes, it's interesting, as if Jesus realizes that what he just said was kind of crazy and kind of nutty, he, in verse 14, he gives us a postscript about the power of forgiving others. He says this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, but, if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father isn't going to forgive yours. This is, this is one of those things that he said that I don't like that he said it. That's kind of tough. I like to skip over this. But I want to read that again to you and let this settle in on your heart and your mind and think about where you are right now with other people. He says this, if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive yours. Wow. I, uh, it's weird. Every time I uh, speak on this passage... I always remember somebody that I haven't forgiven. Somebody inevitably uh, comes up in my mind. Every time I read this verse out loud in church, um, some person's face will pop up into my mind that I haven't forgiven. Sometimes it's somebody from a long time ago when I was younger. In fact, uh, last time I talked about this, I pictured this guy, my best friend in fourth grade, who stole my girlfriend from me. Now, you know who you are, and I'm not going to mention your name, Ruben Trevino, but you know what you did. 
<laughs> Clearly, I'm over this. Some of you are still stuck on the fact that I had a girlfriend in fourth grade. Listen, I had skills early on, man. I had a guy. <laughs> but, but I think of people in the past, ghosts from Christmas past, come up in my mind whenever I talk about this forgiveness thing. Sometimes it's one of you that pops up in my mind. And I can't tell you how awkward it is to be speaking about forgiveness and then to look up and look face-to-face with somebody that I'm holding a grudge against, right? And it's a little awkward. You're looking at me going, I know, and you're like, I know, it's tough. Sometimes I bet maybe some of you even here this morning are already kind of having one of those uh uh-oh moments, right? You came to church today and you're feeling like, oh, everything's good in my life, all great. And all of a sudden you hear these words of Jesus and you're like, ooh, you realize that you're holding a grudge against someone or that there's, uh, you're carrying some unforgiveness to somebody in your past who has wronged you or d- uh, hurt you in some way. Um, maybe someone has disappointed you. They let you down. Perhaps someone, you're, you're thinking of someone right now that has betrayed you, backstabbed you. And now all those icky feelings are welling up on the inside. Just a minute ago, you were fine. Welcome to Steamboat Christian Center where you make you feel good. Amen. Yeah. In fact, um, it's interesting. Every time I, I, I speak about forgiveness in church, inevitably, um, I'll get an email from somebody the next week or a text. And they'll say, hey, Pastor Troy, I was there when you talked about forgiveness. And uh, I just got to say, you have no idea. You have no idea what they did to me. You have no idea what they put me through. And uh, I hear that, you know, they're like, they lied to me. They, they betrayed me. They, they, you know, maybe, maybe they backstabbed you or they stole money from you or, or maybe they owe you money that you loaned them. And, 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 or maybe, like I said, it was someone, you know, that they, that they admired, that they looked up to, that disappointed them, let them down. Maybe this, I hear this a lot. Sometimes it's someone from years ago that was supposed to love and protect you and instead They abused and hurt you. And now the pain um, is still very real to you today, right? And so if you're saying that to me today, you're like, Pastor Troy, you don't know what has happened to me. You don't know what's been done to me. It was horrible. What they did wasn't fair at all. If that's you, let me just take a moment and uh, acknowledge that there are a lot of of wrongs that happen in this world. And... uh, and what happened to you probably wasn't fair and maybe even reprehensible. Um, you know, I want to acknowledge that the pain and the anger that you feel is, is justified. You, I mean, it's justified after what has been done to you. Um, in fact, sometimes it's not what happened to you that uh, hurts the most. Sometimes it's what's happened to someone that we love that hurts us the most. I know that I have a family member Um, A member of my family who was unfairly targeted and sexually abused by a person of trust. And it, it has, what was done to them was horrible and it's caused them a lot of pain and it's caused our family a lot of, a lot of hurt. And so how can you forgive someone when it's been so, what they did was so brutally wrong, right? How can you and I forgive someone for something that seems unforgivable? How do we do this? How do we live out what Jesus told us to do? How do we actually do that? It's tough. Um, But there's a process. And in fact, there's a clue 
in this little passage that Jesus gives on prayer that'll help us. I bet you've never seen this, but this is fascinating. In verse 9, Jesus said this. Look at, he said this. He said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. Everybody say our Father again. Our Father. That's interesting to me. That when uh, Jesus taught people to pray, he didn't teach them to pray, my Father. He didn't say, say my Father. He said, our Father. In other words, it's a reminder that God isn't just my Heavenly Father. He's your Heavenly Father. And as brothers and sisters, we share Him as our Heavenly Father, and we are His children. And one of the things that I know about God from reading the Bible is that our relationship with our siblings really, really, really matters to Him a lot. It's fascinating. Um, God is really interested in how you and I are getting along with one another. <laughs> and as a dad, um, I get this. this I, I understand that. It makes sense to me because I have a couple of kids and I want them to get along. I want them to love each other. In fact, um, this last week we went on a, a quick road trip down to Montrose and we got in the car. And I, got a, I remember, was reminded that every road trip that we've ever taken in our car, this conversation always takes place in the back seat. Let me read to you a transcript of what I heard in the back seat. Don't touch me. Do you guys know this game? Don't touch me. I didn't touch you. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Dad, he touched me again. No, I didn't. Well, tell him to stop touching me. It just drive me crazy. Like there's this massive... Um, injury that's been done in our back seat. This touching has hurt someone. I feel like a referee at a soccer game where one player bumps into another and the guy falls down like he's been hit by a train. You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh my gosh, this is low over the top. But this happens every time we go on the road. And man, of course, I lose my temper. I freak out on it. And I say some of the same annoying things that my father said to me and my brother when we were in the back seat. He's like, if you guys don't stop it, I'm going to pull over and I'm going to touch both of you. <laughs> it's just crazy. And Julie, I just look at you and it just ruins the trip. The point I'm trying to make is, is that there's nothing that breaks the heart of a parent more than when their children don't get along. I mean, you, you, you want, you, you, when your children are constantly fighting each other or they're not talking to each other and they grow up, and they don't, that just breaks your heart. You're like, what has went wrong? But also, on the other hand, there's nothing that makes, brings us more joy as a parent than when our children love each other. And that they play together well. They honor and they respect each other. I believe that, that that's true for our Heavenly Father. I feel that He feels the same. And maybe... This is why Jesus said this also in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. And, and this, this verse has been overlooked by the church of Jesus Christ for way too long. This is important what Jesus said. Look at this. Jesus said this. Therefore, if you are offering your gift to God at the altar, if, in other words, you come to church and you're going to worship God, and there you remember that your brother and sister has something against you, that there's something going on between you and one of your brothers or sisters, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Walk out the door, go to your car, and go to them. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then, come on back to the church. That's shocking. My sense is if we took that seriously, there would be no one here this morning. Amen? 
That is shocking. The point is, is that our Heavenly Father is just as concerned with our relationship with our siblings as he is with our relationship with him. That's surprising. Uh, Jesus said that. And I would have assumed that it was all about God. But Jesus says, no, no, no. God is super interested in what's going on with those around you. And so our unforgiveness, our bitterness, our anger at another brother is a problem, not just for us, but it's a problem for God. Now, why is he concerned about this? Well, I thought about it. Think about this. Who does our unforgiveness hurt the most? Doesn't really hurt the other person. They don't even know, right? Maybe it's God a little bit, like we said. God is kind of disturbed as a father, then we're not getting along. But does it hurt him the most? No. It hurts us the most. Why? Because I'm telling you, unforgiveness is a poison to our soul. It poisons our soul. It corrodes our insides. It, it, it just destroys our heart. I believe it is a source of many cancers. Unforgiveness and bitterness and anger and all of that junk that's inside of us just is, it's it, living with bitterness, living constantly with a bitterness over what someone's done to you or resentment, it only infects and deepens that wound that they first did to you. It only makes it worse. It just festers it. It just makes it worse. And again, it's not affecting that person at all when we do that. We're doing it to ourselves. In fact, someone once said this. I thought this was a good quote. Um, Holding a grudge against someone is like drinking poison and expecting them to die. Holding and carrying unforgiveness for someone and what they've done and letting it stay inside is like drinking poison and expecting them to die. And again, they don't even know that this is happening. But if we forgive them, we are set free. We are saved from this sickness and this, this disease of bitterness and resentment. We're set free. In fact, um, uh, 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 I know a married couple who had a friend who was down on luck and they sold him their car. And they sold their used car to him uh, at a great price, man. I mean, it was a killer deal. And, in fact, they offered him to make payments interest-free until he was able to pay it off. It was a sweet deal. Um, after making just one payment, that friend disappeared. They never heard from him. I mean, literally, the, he was gone, the car was gone, and they never got another payment for it. And it just, it just rubbed this couple wrong. They were just, for months, they were just angry and bitter at this guy. They couldn't believe that he had done that. They were resentful. I mean, here they tried to bless their friend and help their friend, but he totally took advantage of their kindness, and he stole their car from them. And, and, and it just was this bad place that they were at. But here's the thing. Everything changed when the wife came up with an idea. She made a suggestion. She went to her husband. She said, hey, I got an idea. Let's not let him steal the car. The husband's like, what do you mean? She's like, yeah, let's not let him steal the car. Let's instead give him the car. It's just a little shift in perspective. Let's just decide in our hearts that we are going to forgive him and that we have just given him the car. Instead of having this bitterness and poisoning our souls with unforgiveness and anger and frustration of what he's done, let's just say that we've given him the car. And I thought, what a brilliant idea. Of course, um, uh, that didn't affect their friend. 
at all. He was just driving around the car for free anyway. It didn't make a difference to him. But it totally set them free from those yucky feelings and that, that cloud that just follows them around of bitterness and resentment. And that's, that's just a mindset change. It's funny, the husband uh, said that one day he ran into that old friend at a Burger King. <laughs> he looked up and they locked eyes across the room in Burger King. And the, and the husband began to walk to him and the guy ran out the door and ran down the street. <laughs> and the husband was like, I wasn't trying to fight him or confront him. I just wanted to go and tell him, hey, all is forgiven. We decided to give you the car. No big deal. But he never got a chance. Here's my point, though. Some of us, because of what has been done to us, are living in a prison of offense. We're literally locked in a prison cell. We're walking around in a prison cell of forgiveness. And here's the thing. The only key, the only way to get free of that is forgiveness. Is to forgive them. Uh, even if God came down and wiped them out, that doesn't totally make you feel better. There's still going to be a bitterness about what had happened to you and the pain. And so we got to forgive them. And now some of you might say, uh, I'm not there yet. I can't, I cannot forgive them. You ever been there where you want to forgive? And Peter was there. He's like, Jesus, how many times should we forgive someone has done us wrong? One, seven times. Jesus is like, no, seven times. There's just this point of, I'm just not ready to forgive. I still, I have a friend that just went through a disastrous breakup. And he's like, I still get overwhelmed by my anger and by my uh, bitterness and hurt from what was done. I can't, I want to forgive. I tried it, but I'm not ready. I can't. What do I do? It's a good question. Well, let me show you something. In Matthew chapter 5, um, which is the same Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said something that sounds absolutely crazy, but is actually brilliant. It's genius. In verse 43, Jesus said this. He said, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, you've never really heard that said. But Jesus at this time was speaking to a culture um, that believed, get this, that the best way to handle injustice was to reward a wrong with another wrong. That when someone did something wrong, you did back. This is why if someone knocked your tooth out, I get to knock your tooth out. If your eye got accident, accidentally injured, you get to take their eye out. Reward it a wrong for a wrong. So he's talking to that culture. Instead, Jesus says this. He said this. In verse, he says, but I say to you, Jesus said, I say to you, love your enemies and what? Yeah, come on. Pray for those who mistreat you. We're to pray for those who have screwed us over. Now, if you're like me, you go to that. I'm not that holy. You mess with me, I want to punch you back. You hurt me, I want to hurt you. You hurt my family, I want to hurt you. But I want to pray for you. Pray for you? That, that sounds crazy. I don't, some of you are hearing that. And, and, but according to Jesus, when you and I have bitterness and unforgiveness and anger and hurt in our heart from someone and what they've done to us, we are to pray for them. We should pray for them. And again, I'm like you. I'm like, I don't feel 
like praying for them right now. And I understand that. In fact, the problem with that is that if you and I waited till we felt like doing what Jesus told us to do, we'd probably never do anything that Jesus told us to do. Because some of the things he asked us to do are hard. And so some of you are like, okay, I'll pray for them. But what, what do I pray for them for? What should I pray for? How do, how do I do that? Well, that's a, that's a good question. And here's what I would suggest. Maybe at first, Tomorrow morning, you wake up and you pray this prayer. God, get them. Get them for what they've done to me. Now, I admit that that's not probably a good, righteous prayer, but you got to start somewhere. If you're not ready, just just go, God, (laughs) get them. But here's what will happen. Um, Here's what will happen is is that uh, little by little, over time, as you pray, You'll begin to realize this truth, that hurting people hurt people. That's what they do. They're good at it. People have been hurt and been damaged and have hurt themselves. They just have a knack for hurting other people. And the more you think about that, the more you, you, you realize, you know what, um, um, my, maybe your prayers will start to change a little bit. You'll think differently about that person. Maybe slowly over time, you'll begin to pray this prayer. Instead of, God, get them, you'll go, God, Change him. <laughs> Change her. Or maybe this one. God, help him. Help her. Help, help her find you. Help her to find Jesus. Help her to find healing. Help her to find forgiveness for the things that she's done. My point is, is that little by little, as you pray, your heart will be softened. I'm, I'm telling you, here's what I found about praying for people who have hurt me. And that is this, is that your prayers may or may not change others, but they always change you. My prayers for you are kind of effective. But when I pray for you, God gets out of me what he wants. My heart is softened. My heart is changed. I begin to see the world from his point of view rather than just from my limited point of view. Jesus said, you have heard it said, hate your enemies But I say to you, pray for those who mistreat you. So the point is, is that prayer is just a good place to start. It's not the end, but it's a good place to start that healing. So then you're like, well, what do I do next? Well, here's what happens. As God works on your heart, eventually you'll you'll begin to remember some things. And one of the things that you'll remember as you pray for someone that has hurt you and as you pray to ability to forgive them is that you'll begin to remember that God has forgiven you. And then you'll go, oh, God, with God's help, maybe I can choose to forgive them. Some of you are like, choose? Yeah, forgiveness is a choice. It's like any other spiritual discipline. It doesn't come naturally. You have to make a choice to forgive. In fact, it's interesting. One of the things that I love about the Greek word for forgive is that it literally means to hurl away. The original word in Greek for forgive is to hurl away. Like I, I picture a, an Olympic athlete taking a discus and spinning around three or four times and then hurling that offense away. So forgiveness isn't sweeping away. It's not sweeping what you did under the rug and acting like it never happened. No, 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 no. It is literally throwing it out of your life. 
It's not pretending as if something didn't happen. We're not doing that. We're not make-believe that what you did didn't really happen. Instead, it is choosing to hurl the poison as far away from your life as you can possibly throw it. That's forgiveness. To throw it away and to leave it there and let it go forever. Again, some of you are like, well, how do you do that? And that's hard. I get it. But uh, Paul gives us a clue in Colossians chapter 3. And this is huge. Listen to what Paul says in verse 13. He says, bear with each other and forgive one another. Again, the church, has to, we have to be experts at this forgiveness thing. He says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. But here's the key. Forgive just as the Lord forgave you. How do we forgive when we've been hurt by somebody? How do we forgive when we've been betrayed? How do we forgive when uh, every bit of trust has been ripped out of our heart? How do we do that? We forgive just as God has forgiven us. In the same way that our Heavenly Father has graciously and generously forgiven us, we must forgive those who have hurt us. I know it's tough. I... Uh, Last week we talked about how Jesus, you might remember how Jesus forgave the thief that was hanging on the cross next to him. Even though that guy did not deserve forgiveness and could not earn forgiveness, Jesus forgave him quickly. And I was thinking this week, I wonder what if, just imagine with me for a second, what if that thief was some way, somehow able to get off of that cross? What if he was able to escape death? What if maybe the Roman guards heard, you know, Jesus say, you're forgiven. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. And they're like, you know what? It, you've paid enough. Come on down. And they let him down. What and how would that guy live the rest of his life like? Right? I mean, sure, it would take a few months for him to heal from the physical wounds. But eventually, you know, get back to normal. My question is, is how do you think that thief would have lived the rest of his life? Do you think that, how do you think uh, uh, he, he would have related to people from that mo moving forward? Do you think he would have committed any more crimes? I don't, I don't think so. Do you think um, if someone did something to him and hurt him and mistreated him, that he would have been unforgiving to that person? Do you think he would have been unforgiving to those who mistreated him? I don't think so. I think, in fact, I, I, I imagine that as soon as the temptation in his mind to hold someone, to hold a grudge against someone that had done him wrong hit him, as soon as that temptation hit him, that he would maybe remember the day he was hanging on a cross for his crimes and how quickly Jesus forgave him for everything he ever did. I think it would have been different. And I think you and I are different and should be different in light of what Jesus did for us on the cross. In fact, um, Andy Stanley, <laughs> he said this. This is a great quote. Listen to this. He said, in the shadows of my heart and my hurt, in the shadow of my hurt, when my pain and my hurt is overwhelming me, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. 
to give him a medal and say, thank you for doing what you've done to me, to reward my enemy. But he said, in the shadow of the cross, in the light of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift of one undeserving soul to another. When you and I remember all that Jesus did for us on the cross, you can't, you can't help but want to extend the same grace to someone else. And so, the formula for forgiveness is simple. It's hard, but it's simple, and that is this. First, we pray. We pray, and little by little, God changes our heart. Then, we remember. We remember what he has done for us and what he has forgiven us for. And then, then we can forgive. Then we can hurl that thing as far away from us as we can. We can let it go. And so this morning, with that in mind, I want to do all three of those things while we take communion. We, it's been a while since we celebrated communion together. I want us to, to pray, I want us to remember, and I want us to, to seek forgiveness and to give forgiveness. And, and maybe you're new again to church and you're not sure what this communion thing is. Let me just suggest, say this to you. You might remember on the night before Jesus was arrested, on the night that Jesus was arrested, um, he had a, a last meal, had his last meal with his disciples um, he took a loaf of bread and he picked that bread up and he broke it. And, uh, and he turned to his disciples and said, this bread is like my body. And my body tomorrow is going to be broken for you. And uh, in other words, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to take your place on the cross for your sins. I will take your place for your sins. And then he took a cup and, uh, and he said, hey, this cup represents a new covenant. The new deal between God and man. The old deal is that you had to be perfect. Had to follow the Ten Commandments, do everything right, and maybe you'd get in. The new deal is, is that my blood is going to pay the price to make you right with God. That God will become your Heavenly Father. And that you can become His children. And, 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 and we, we understand that, you know, and Jesus is like, you can't deserve this. You don't deserve it, and you can't earn it. There's nothing you can do. It is my gift to you. But all I ask in return is this, is that you pass it on, that you forgive others just as God has forgiven you. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. And I want to invite you. We're an open communion church. We have four or five stations, and you can take communion if you'd like and to come celebrate this. And and I encourage you to pray and to remember what God has done for you. I also encourage you to confess your sins. It's a good time to to do inventory and go, I'm sorry, and, and to clean the slate, to remind yourself that God has paid the price and that you can be forgiven. But listen to me. This morning as you come to, I guess, the altar, if you remember... Uh, that you have something against someone, you remember that there's something, um, I want to encourage you to hurl that bitterness and that unforgiveness away. Forgive them just as God has forgiven you. And my friend, you will walk out of here in freedom. Walk out of that prison cell of unforgiveness. Amen? Let me pray and I'll let you come forward. Father, I, I pray this morning for miraculous healings and restorations give each one of us the grace to forgive and release those who are holding us captive through our own bitterness help us God help us to forgive so that we also may be forgiven 
Today, we remind ourselves of what Jesus did for us. He died so that we can walk free. And so today, we choose to die to our need to see our enemies pay for what they've done. We internalize what Christ did for us, and we choose, we make the choice to do the same for those who have hurt us, who have wronged us, and who have betrayed us. And so I pray, God, that you would set every one of us free. Help us to forgive. Help us to hurl that poison far away and to walk in your freedom and to walk in your grace and to walk in your forgiveness. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray.